You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have believed in me and supported me through this journey. In the last few years, celebrities, influencers, and company leaders have been talking about something called toxic hustle culture. These discussions talk about the success of people in various forms, such as a worker getting a promotion at work, or how someone ordinary managed to buy a new Lamborghini and purchase a new mansion. Today, our topic is toxic hustle culture, and my very special guest today is Julie Lowe. Julie Lowe is an author, speaker, and certified high-performance coach. Using neuroscience-backed practices, she teaches ambitious professionals how to prioritize their mindset, health, and relationships without sacrificing the quality of their work. Julie's expertise has been featured on Good Morning Washington, the national syndicated TV show The List, Huffington Post, Authority Magazine, and Yahoo Life, to name a few. Her first book, A Few Good Habits, debuts on October 5th, 2023. I have been looking forward to having her on this show for a while now, so today is the day. Welcome to the show, Julie. It is so wonderful to have you on today. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it too. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we've had our little chats and organizing, but this is the fun part to get it all out there. How are things with you? What's new in your world? Good. Was well, all focused around the book right now. <laughs> I really kind of gearing up for the book coming out in just a couple of weeks, you know, from when we're recording this and doing a lot of things to get organized for that. It's definitely a passion project. Wonderful. And weather is good on your end. Yeah, I was drinking a noodle cold day, football day. We're going to watch the game with friends later. What football game are we watching today? I live in Lexington and University of Kentucky is here. We're more of a basketball school, but we're getting a little bit better at football, so it'll be fun. Yes, college sports, I find, is very fun to watch. Our kids are trying to see what direction they're going to go, get into a profession that they're studying in, or luckily, maybe they get hooked on in the sport that they have been playing all their life. So it's kind of like a transition for them, which direction are they going to go. And, yeah. and you can just see it when they're playing, how enthusiastic and how much passion that they have for the sport. Yeah, I think that makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, glad to hear that everything is going well. Before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? Yes. <laughs> so my question to you is, where do you think the name Pina Colada came from? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm thinking the the first half there is probably pineapple related. <laughs> Beyond that, I'm not honestly sure. Tasty drink, not sure what the origin of the word is. <laughs> I saw that question and I thought, you know what? I'm going to have fun with Julie on that one. And I'm sure I'm going to get a good giggle out of her. I have no idea where pina colada came from also, but I definitely agree with you. It is a tasty drink. That is Right. And a good song, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Pina Colada's. laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you having fun with me, Julie. It was so much fun to ask that question to you. Why don't we start off our fun discussion today with you telling us a little bit about you and yeah, so I have been in business for about 10 years now. I have kind of two sides of my business. I run an ad agency and I'm also a high performance coach. Been doing that for a few years now and I really kind of got into it because I am somebody that has struggled with anxiety 
my whole life. And, you know, I think stress levels have really kind of hit a bit of a tipping point in the last couple of years, thanks to the pandemic. And funny enough, in trying to figure out how do you handle chronic stress and how do you still perform at your best? How do you go after your dreams? How do you do the big things you want to do in the world without letting the stress really take you out of the game? It actually led me to high performance, which a lot of people think is kind of funny because they hear the word high performance and they think, well, isn't that just about like hustling and working hard and really being at the top of your game? How does somebody go from I want to reduce my stress to I want to be a high performer? And funny enough, they actually go hand in hand. I think the thing that trips people up is they hear high performer and what they're thinking of is actually high achiever. And whenever you're a high achiever, to me, that means you're very successful. Maybe you're getting awards and accolades and you know, you're climbing the ladder if you're in corporate, but it can be at the expense of the rest of your life. Now, a high performer is actually somebody that is successful, but they're not doing it at the expense of their health, their relationships, their mindset. They're really kind of taking a holistic approach and they're winning in all areas of life. And I think if you're a high achiever at work, you're doing well at work, but things are falling apart in your personal life you're not actually a high performer. You're just a high achiever at work. And I don't know about you, but I want both. I don't want my family life and my health to fall apart to be successful. So that's really kind of what sent me down this path. I love all of that. And yes, I agree with you for sure. I think I would want to be both. I don't think want one or the other. I think most people would want to be successful in two things. They mean, I'll I don't think people want to not be good at something and be good at something else. I I feel like that's what the thought processes of most people. Yeah, I, I think the problem is sometimes we think we have to choose. We think we can't have both. We can't be super successful without dropping the ball in other areas of our lives. And that balance doesn't always feel possible. And so sometimes what I find is, especially if you are somebody that loves the work that you do, or you're very ambitious, the ball you end up dropping is more in the personal realm. And it's not necessarily a conscious choice. It's just that we often feel like we can't drop the ball with our work because Mm -hmm. people are relying on us. We have to make that income. So it's one of those things where nobody would consciously choose. Yeah, I'm going to screw up my personal life so I can be successful. But unfortunately, that's what happens to a lot of people. They just can't find that balance. And something's got to give. And unfortunately, it's usually their personal health, their relationships, because all they know how to do is work hard and strive. I love all of that for sure. So we're talking about toxic hustle culture today. So in your opinion, what is toxic hustle culture? Well, you know, it kind of feeds into what we've already been talking about. It's this idea that in order to get ahead, we have to work beyond a breaking point. So that's kind of what the, the toxic part is to me. You know, I was raised in a very blue collar community, grew up on a farm. Hard work was definitely instilled in me. So I do believe that we have to work hard for the things that we want. We can't just sit back and try to manifest our dreams or something. I think we have to put in the work and we have to have boundaries and we have to have some limits on how far we're going with these things. And I know for me, between my upbringing and that really having instilled in me the idea that you have to work hard for what you want and then it's very a noble thing to do 
Plus, in the entrepreneurial world, especially when I was coming up in like 2013 in my career, Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, was very popular. And it was very popular for people to say, you can sleep when you die. If you're not hustling and working 24-7, if you're not going to that breaking point, you must not want it bad enough. So it became very popular to talk about like hustle and grind and to just kind of glorify this idea that everything else should be put on the back burner. And the only thing that should matter is if you really want to make a name for yourself, if you want to be successful in your career, you have to work at the expense of everything else. And I think a lot of people really latched on to that idea. But even Gary Vaynerchuk, I hear, has changed his tune these days because it's just not sustainable. We might have busy seasons in times where we really have to push. Like I'm really pushing right now as my book is coming out. And I can't do that forever. You will burn yourself out. And funny enough, it's just not even conducive to great work. Your brain can only perform at a certain level for so long and we need rest and we need recovery. So to me, the toxic part is really when we're putting that work ahead of our own well-being, our own self-care, our families and our relationships. And I think the thing that a lot of people realize is they might make it to the top, but then they're going to be a little lonely because they've alienated everyone. Yeah, I talked about this on one of my episodes, this stories, and I think it goes well with our conversation here. So one of my bosses years ago had come to see me at the end of the day. Everybody was gone and I was there like 15, 20 minutes after. And he sat down, asked me how I was doing, how the day went, whatever. And I told him it went okay, whatever. And then he said, I wanted to ask you something. He says, I noticed that you always stay 10, 15, 20 minutes after everybody leaves. So I said, yes, I have the mindset that if I have something on my brain or I want to finish it, I'd rather take 15 minutes to finish it. And then I can head home and I can relax for the evening instead of like, oh my God, the first thing I got to do when I get in is I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to remember to do that. I can't forget. And then you're at home, you're thinking of that. So he said to me, I, I appreciate you sticking around and doing your job or making sure everything is done. He says, I know nothing is forever, but I hope you stay as long as you'd like to. We'd love to have you here. He says, I just wanted to tell you that I see that you're just trying to finish your work. He said, you might work for a boss that may not see it the same way. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, they might look at it that you were unable to finish your tasks before the end of the day. So you're needing to stay. So they would be saying, well, why does Andrew always have to stay late? Can he not finish his tasks during the day? What is he doing during the day that he can't finish his tasks? So he says, I just want you to think of that as you continue working in your career, that one person's perception is not the same as someone else's perception. It's something that I will never forget in those words, because I think A, I think there was great advice and B, I just think it was so amazing. He could have just saw me there and said, hey, you know, have a good night, Andrew. We'll see you in the morning and not said anything. But he actually took the time out of his day and out of his family time to go home and see his wife to spend 15, 20 minutes talking with me. And we ended up walking out together. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like you said, everybody's perception is going to be different. And there's other company cultures where they would have really been praising you for staying late. And then when we get that kind of praise, sometimes people, you know, keep taking it further and further and people feel like they they can't leave the office because they got to push harder and stay longer and impress the boss. Every company is a little bit different. Unfortunately, there are a lot of cultures where, especially because of the example that the leadership sets, they're not clocking out at five o'clock, they're staying late. And it really 
creates this culture where people think, well, even though they say we can go home at a certain time, I know like the boss, he's on late, he's answering emails at nine, 10 o'clock at night. And it creates this culture where everybody thinks like, oh, I have to do more and more and more and I have to be always available. So it's different, obviously, at every company. But I think that's where we've kind of gotten into this place where there are so many company cultures where people are really stretching beyond the normal boundaries of work. And with things like remote work and flex time. I think it's become even more blurred. There are definitely upsides to things like being able to work from home and flex time. And if you don't have good boundaries in place, and especially if leadership is not setting a good example there, the lines can get really blurred. And I think people are working longer and longer hours. That's why there was a study that came out recently that said literally just the past year, because the study just came out, about 83% of workers had experienced signs of burnout in the past year, 83%. So that's a really large percentage of people that are really overworked. They're stressed out. They're still not recovering in some ways from the pandemic. And I think those lines are just getting more and more blurred where people just really don't know how to rein in that work stress and not overwork. They're even working on vacation. You know, it's been a long time problem in the US where people are not using their PTO time. Now people are taking the PTO time, but then they're not shutting off on work. And so they're really still not getting that recovery time. We think the vacation will make us feel better. But if you're not really checking out and turning off your brain from that work and literally not disconnecting, then it's just not going to be what you need to recover. Plus, it's kind of a temporary fix, even in the best case scenario. So I know that we've talked a little bit about it here, but I'd like to go a little bit more in depth here. So can someone survive in a toxic hustle culture way of life? I really think that in the long term, you are going to hit that point of burnout. If this is something that goes on forever, if you have no coping mechanisms, if you have no tools, if you have no boundaries, I think it catches up with everybody eventually. I do think it's something that we want to get ahead of, though. And I think it's something that leaders and companies really need to get ahead of, and they don't want to be promoting this hustle culture. And in some ways, you might look at it, you know, and if you're running a company and think like, well, I want my people to be productive. I want them to be working hard. How can we have that balance? But the thing is, if you're pushing people too hard, too far, if they're working too many hours and never taking that time off, they're actually going to be worse employees because morale is going to go down. They are going to burn out and they're not going to perform as well. But when we're overworking, our brain can only really stay at a high level of performance for so long. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not taking care of and you're not taking breaks, your productivity is actually going to go down. You're not going to be as of a creative thinker. So you're you're not going to solve problems as well. So it's really something that I think individuals need to address. And we also need to see, you know, like a culture level change at companies where this is going on, because it's in the company's best interest too. not only are their employees going to be happier, but they're going to be better employees, they're going to be more productive, they're going to be better performers. So I really think it's something that you can last so long and then things are going to go sideways. And I think leaders can help in that manner a little bit, even just a quick check-ins. How are you doing? How's the day going? Or even just simple questions like, hey, have you taken a break today? It's important for you to take your break or for 10, 15 minute walk. So I think by them showing a little bit of care and compassion for their employees, I think is very important as well. I think so. And those little breaks, and they can even be short ones, do so much to actually help boost your productivity. You would think like, oh, if I'm getting up every hour and I'm walking around for a couple of minutes, that's going to kill productivity. But, you know, it might be counterintuitive, but it actually helps productivity because our brains need those breaks. 
we need time to focus on something else. We need to stop staring at the screen every once in a while, you know, for a desk worker. We need to move our bodies. And if you do that, you're actually going to be more productive. And if productivity is your goal or if efficiency is your goal, then really you can't afford not to take regular breaks. And they can be short. They can be two minutes. But get up, move your body, close your eyes for a couple of minutes even. Because a lot of brain fatigue is actually visual fatigue. So simply getting that moving your body a little bit. And then when you do sit back down, close your eyes for a minute before you get back to work. You might be surprised. It not only makes you more productive, but you're less tired at the end of the day when you do that. Yeah. I'm not moving. I try to get up from my desk, at least try to every hour and just kind of do a little stretch and just stretch the arms, stretch the leg, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of move around, move the body around a little bit just to relax and wind. And I'll do my 10, 15 minute breaks and go for, you know, just get outside or whatever, get some fresh air. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at lunchtime, I try to do that as well. I have a bite to eat and then I should get outside and I find the fresh air too, I find. For uh, sure. Helps. So yeah, I do enjoy and I think it's important to make sure that you're making time for yourself for sure. Yeah. And I think you will find that at the end of the day, you're not so worn out. I would often, before I started that practice, get to the end of the day And I'd be so exhausted from the work and the focus that I put into the day that I kind of felt like I didn't have anything left to give at the end of the day. My patience was shot. My energy was gone. And I really wasn't able to show up the way I wanted to for my family. But something as simple, and it is so simple, as getting up on a regular basis, moving around throughout the day and taking those tiny little breaks actually is really going to give you the restoration you need to show up the way you want to in the evening. So especially for parents, I think that's just so important. So I know you did mention a few things there, but I like to talk about how we could beat hustle culture. I know you mentioned getting up and stretching. Are there suggestions to combat that? Yeah, I think if we're specifically talking about hustle culture, I think like having those boundaries on your work. So really wrapping things up at the end of the day. I loved what you mentioned earlier about like in your mind, what you were trying to do was you were trying to wrap up and kind of like put a bow on the day so that you didn't have that going through your head all evening. And I actually think that's really smart. We need to have some sort of wind down routine with our day so that when work is done, it's done. And I know, especially for entrepreneurs, this can be problematic because we think all the time about our jobs, but in the work that we do. But even if you have a more traditional career, if you love the work or if you have big problems that you're tackling, it's hard to leave that work at the end of the day sometimes. So I think having some sort of a routine at the end of your day where you feel like physically and mentally, you feel like, okay, the work is done and anything else can wait till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So wrapping things up, making plans for the next day. Like you said, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. And so sometimes that's why our brain goes in a loop of like reminding us and mulling something over. So taking the time to plan the next day, make notes, and then telling yourself like, okay, I've got everything handled. It's written down. I'm not going to forget anything. The day is done and I can I can move on now. And really having some sort of work to home transition, I think can be very, very helpful. Even if you work from home, having some sort of a routine and really kind of ending the day. And then I think also just setting those boundaries around when you're available, because sometimes people just don't do that. And we feel like we have to be constantly available in case somebody needs us. But the reality is it's pretty rare that something can't wait till the next workday. So really kind of setting those intentions and boundaries around here's when and how I'm available and here's when it's appropriate to reach out in the evening hours versus when it really just needs to wait, I think can really happen, can really help too. 
So setting those boundaries and then having some habits in place that really takes care of your mental and your physical health. Because I just don't think that we can hope that we're doing enough to maintain the energy and the that balance. We have to bring real intention to it. And I think a lot of times we just think we can wing it and we can just muddle about things and it'll be okay. But just like we have to bring intention and focus to our work for our jobs to go well, for our work to go well, we have to bring the same intention and focus to the rest of our lives to find that balance. So you mentioned that you have anxiety. I myself deal with, some people say I suffer with it and I don't like to say suffer. So I deal with ADHD and with the ADHD, I do find that the anxiety sets in. So if something happens, usually it's a good chance that two or three things are going to happen in a row. And that's when things start getting, you have trouble processing and you're like, oh my God, do this is bad how am I going to get out of this what have you so I try to remember to try to do stuff when I remember it because if I don't I'm going to forget it's a guarantee thing so if I think of it my best thing to do and I'll admit I don't always do it all the time yeah but when I do think of it oh yeah I have to do that oh I better go do it now and then I get up and I go do it and I feel better when I do that. But there are times I'll admit that I don't and then I forget and then I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Do that, right? so. Yeah. I think that's why making those notes is so important because I think, you know, ADHD or not, I think it's really easy to bounce around from task to task to task. Right. Yeah. And then we stay busy all day. But that's when a lot of times at the end of the day, we're like, what did I do today? Like, what did I accomplish? Because we've bounced around from one thing to another so much. My kids have ADD, so I get it. But even without it, we're just in a culture where we're so distracted and we're so used to bouncing around from things. And I think that's when your days drag out the most is when you can't focus and you're you're bouncing around. So I would say definitely write those notes. And then it's great that you're aware of it because the spiraling, that's what really trips us up was when we start worrying about something and we spiral and we start catastrophizing or planning for more things to go wrong. So I think literally just even the fact that you're aware of it is brilliant. So just practicing, oh, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing that thing again where I'm starting to spiral on it and kind of calling yourself out on it and then going, okay, I don't want to spiral. What do I want to do? instead and then choosing the better path because I used to I used to definitely spiral on things like one little thing would go wrong and then I'd be like oh this you know start catastrophizing and it would just derail me for so long I'd waste so much time and energy on that spiral so I think really the practice is just noticing it going like I I know this like I know this story I know this pattern and okay I'm gonna take a breath and I'm going to do this other thing instead. I'm going to choose a different a different route. And I think that can be really helpful. And having that list of like anytime something pops into your head during the day of like, oh, I got this thing. Oh, I've got that thing. Instead of immediately rushing off to do it, have a list that you keep where you write those things down so your brain can go like, okay, it's not done, but it's not going to be missed. It's on my list. And at you know, three o'clock every afternoon, I sit down, I look at my list and I address anything that that needs to be addressed right now. Or I schedule it for another day, another time. So you know it's going to happen. You don't have to worry about forgetting it, but you don't get off task so frequently. Why is hustle culture glorified? I think for a lot of reasons. You know, it's been around for probably since the start of the Industrial Revolution, where we started prioritizing efficiency and productivity and things like that. And I think in America, especially, like hard work is kind of revered. It's respected. 
And especially if you grew up in, you know, kind of a blue collar culture like I did, it can really be kind of respected. And we see people taking action and we admire that. But we, I think, are all really kind of coming to the realization that it's not necessarily sustainable. So again, I don't think that we should just not prioritize working hard. I do think we need to show up and do a good job and put some passion into what we do and work hard. It's just the toxic side of it where it gets out of control that's a problem. But on the surface, it's hard to argue that was hard work a bad thing? No. So I think that's really kind of where we came from, just admiring people that are passionate and working hard at something But it just has gotten out of hand where we wear busyness like a badge of honor. You know, we get in this low-key discussion around who's the busiest, sort of like we're trying to get a gold star for working hard. And anytime you talk to me, how are you doing? Oh, great. I'm really busy. But like, And so I think we just kind of wear it like a badge of honor. But we need to really move away from that because people, if 83% of people have been burned out in the past year, that's a problem. It's not okay. We need to do something about that. I think the tide is shifting some, but I think it'll be a long time coming, honestly. Yeah. You mentioned busy. For the longest time, I have used it, but not as much. But the word busy, for the longest time, I stopped using that Mm. word because you get customers, coworkers asking, how's it going? How's your day? And the first thought is, oh, oh my God, I was so busy. Yeah. And then when a customer is calling, I mean, not that they don't care, but they're asking just to be kind. How's your day going? Yeah. And you tell them, oh my God, it's so busy. So busy. <laughs> it's so busy. I got so much going on. And like 95% of the time, they just go right into their, oh, yeah. well, I'm needing this. So, you know, can you help me out? So it's other words like, I'm asking you how your day's going. You're telling me you're busy, but I still need my stuff. So let's get to my stuff and I'll be happy if I can get my stuff. So I kind of use other words. I'm occupied. You know, I've been pretty occupied today and I had lots going on. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of something that I've used just because I find saying that you're busy, it can overwhelm you sometimes to say, like, yeah, I am really busy. I'm saying that I am, but I'm looking and I'm like, I got all this stuff. I got appointments to do. I got these two projects that my boss told me they needed right away. I have a leadership talk that I need to do later on this week that I have to prepare for. And then your mind starts spiraling because you're like, I'm going to get this done. I got this, 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 this. You know, instead of looking at it in smaller increments, okay, let's get this done. And then, like you said, make a list of stuff you need to do to get off when it's done. But that word busy, I find it's overwhelming and it makes us more nervous and anxious. It can, right? Because it's got an energy to it. And I think one thing that I really had to realize is that our to-do list is sort of like laundry. Like it's never ending. It's never going to go away. We're never going to catch up and be done, right? There's always going to be more. You know, we're going to keep producing more things for us to do. So we can't feel like overwhelmed by the fact that we have things to do. We're just always going to have things to do. And we're always going to have stressors in our lives. We just are. If you're up to big things, if you care about what you do, if you have people that you love, you're always going to have stress and stressors in our lives. And I think the problem that I had in the past was I was really making stress like the enemy. And I thought that my goal was to have no stress. I thought that was like the the goal in life was to how do I figure out how to just get rid of all this stress? But we're not going to. No. It's not going to go away because we care about things and that's right. why we stress about them. 
So the best thing that you could do instead of trying to get to no stress is actually just knowing, you know what, there's always going to be things that I care about. There's always going to be things that I have to do. There's always going to be something out there that could stress me out. And I know I can handle it. I have tools to handle it. I have methods that I can lean on to handle it and build up that resilience to know like, yeah, there's there's stressors in my life. I'm busy. That's a reality. And here's how I choose to address it. Here's the attitude I want to bring to it and how I want to show up. And I have these things that I'm doing to take care of myself so the stress doesn't take me out. So it doesn't get me into fight or flight or it doesn't get me into freeze or I'm on the couch watching Netflix for the entire weekend to try to recover from my week. We need those healthy coping mechanisms and those healthy tools. I was telling somebody this week that when you're busy, when you have a lot of stuff going on, it's just good to think about, for example, Mondays. Everybody typically doesn't like Mondays. It's like, oh my God, it's Monday, right? And I used to think like that. But actually, to be quite honest, obviously I love the weekends. I love Friday, but I have started to like Mondays. And a reason why is because I love looking on a Monday, opening up my calendar and my email and seeing, okay, I got a chat with somebody this week. And then I got tapings for my podcast on this day and this day, but I got coffee chats or meet and greets with people over the phone, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you see who they are and you're like, oh yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to them. So now we're going to get to chance to talk this week. So my mind has kind of changed to Mondays. Would I say that I love them? I don't know, but I think I've warmed up to them because it's an exciting way to see what is going on for the week. Yeah, I think really having those plans so that we don't feel so overwhelmed by all we have to do and feeling like everything kind of has its place on our calendar and it will we're going to get to it. And I love that you look for things to look forward to. I think that's great. And if you don't have something to look forward to, schedule it. Like find something that you can look forward to in your week. I think that's really important. It's almost like proactive gratitude. What are you looking forward to in the week? And gratitude is one of those things that and really rewire our brain and our thinking. I looked forward for stuff with you twice. I looked forward to our first meet and greet when we chatted on the phone. I looked forward to our chat booking the podcast. And I looked forward to chatting with you today. So I had the opportunity to look forward to stuff with you three times. So I'm the lucky one. That's awesome. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would that be? You know, more and more, I think resilient. And I think the reason I pick that is because I feel like I had to work hard for it. Like I said, it's it's been a, a lifelong thing dealing with anxiety and really figuring out like how can I live in the way I want to live and not let something like anxiety take me out of doing the things that I want to do. Podcasts, for example, I and mean, I've been on TV before, things like that that I could let my anxiety hold me back and be like, oh God, I can't do that. That's nerve wracking. Public speaking, you know, that's people's greatest fear more than death in all that they do. So I could so easily let my anxiety hold me back from doing things I want to do, but I've built up a resilience to go, you know what? Yeah, that's scary. Like it's going to be a little bit stressful and it's something I want to do. It's important to me. I have things I want to share And I'm not going to let that anxiety hold me back. So I really have built that resilience over the year to make sure that if there's something that I care about, even if it makes me anxious, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep going. And I think especially as an entrepreneur and somebody that loves the work that I do, it takes a lot of resilience and it takes a lot of bounce back and a lot of 
perseverance. So yeah, I would, I would say resilient. <laughs> that is a great word for you. I would add strong as well. From our conversations that we've had, I consider you a very strong individual who is caring and compassionate, willing to step in and help out at any time. But yeah, strong is for me from having anxiety. And I won't say that I fully understand, but I sympathize with it because I kind of know how that is. So you having that and still being able to get yourself on top and get the things that you want accomplished without letting it affect you physically and mentally is a great thing to have for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're very, very welcome. Any final thoughts today? Well, I would just say whether you have anxiety, whether you have ADHD, whatever you have going on, we all have stress. I've talked a couple of times about the fact that so many people are burned out. And even if you're not to the point of symptoms of burnout, I think in today's world, we all have a certain level of stress that's chronic, quite frankly. And so I just want to say that there are things you can do. There was a long time in my life where I really thought this is just life. It's just how it is. And everybody's this way and there's nothing we can do about it. We really can do something about it. So if you feel like you're dragging yourself through your days, if you feel like you have no boundaries around your work and it's really wearing you down and you're not living the way you want to live, I really think that we can go so far to solving these problems and feeling so much better in our life. And I really think it just takes a few good habits. And that's where the book came from, because I think we're making this stuff way too complicated. We're, we're thinking that we're going to find some sort of productivity hack or, I don't know, a fancy app or something that's going to kind of solve our problems. And it's just not working. And that's why we're just getting, if anything, more efficient at burning ourselves out and getting more productive or really getting the time for the things that we want in our lives. Right. And so, you know, I would love for everybody to check out the book because I really looked at it, looked at my journey, what's worked, what's not, how can we make this uncomplicated so that people can actually take action? And honestly, it's a lot of common sense things, but unfortunately, common sense is not always common practice. And I think we really just need to get back to some of these common sense practices and focus on the things that are going to give us the biggest bang for our buck because we are busy. Like we do have big, long to-do lists like we've talked about and we don't need to be spending hours of our day doing self-care or physical routines and things like that. But we right. do have to be consistent, mm -hmm. make these things habit. So I've really tried to kind of boil things down to the essentials in the book. So love for everybody to check that out. You can actually read the first chapter for free, even uh, before the book comes out. So I would love for everybody to check that out because I just more than anything wanted to make this stuff accessible and to make people aware because for years, I was not aware that, like I said, I could do anything about the problems that I was having. And I really think we need to be broadening this conversation and making sure that people are aware that there are things, there are some practices that we can do to feel better. And so thank you for having me on and helping to spread this message, because I think it's an important conversation to have. I appreciate your kind words. One of my goals is through this journey and through these discussions in the podcast is to talk about these things that are not talked about in this realm. As you know, I'm an HR and diversity inclusion guy, and I just feel that these topics are not talked about enough, but I do feel that they go hand in hand. And I do feel that they're important to talk about. I mean, we did talk a lot about workplace understanding, paying attention to the things that are important, which is family, friends, and the activities that you enjoyed before the podcast began. I'd asked you what you were doing today, and you said you were going to a football game. 
And I think that's amazing. I think that planning stuff fun like that, it just makes for an exciting afternoon. You're outside, you're watching a sporty event, you're with a bunch of people, and you're conversing. You know, it's a great way to put an end and a cap on the week that you had and to help you to recoup your mind, your body, your soul, and get you ready for the next week ahead. Yeah, I think it's important. I don't think there's ever a balance. <laughs> I don't like the word work-life balance, meaning that it's like some sort of even split. I don't believe in that, but we need to have those things that fill us back up. And you know, humans are wired for connection. We're wired to want to spend time with others. We're wired to want to be outdoors. And I think like we've gotten so used to just being inside, being at our desk and, you know, just working that it and we don't want to feel lazy. We don't want to feel like we're not a productive person and doing things in the world. But I really think we need both. We need that balance between the personal and the professional lives where we fill our cups back up. We're, if anything, just going to be a better performer. You know, we're going to be more productive at work and we're going to be better in our careers if we do have that balance. So I, I do think it's just so important. I do as well. Well, I want to thank you also for coming on today. I think this was an amazing conversation. I think we gave some great tools and I think you were an awesome, caring, compassionate guest to have on. Like I said, I've been wanting to have you on for the longest time and then just schedules and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm so pleased that we were able to make it work today and I am honored that you would take the time to spend it with me and I look forward to working with you again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So on behalf of myself and my guest, Julie, I'd like to thank you all for joining us today and taking the time to listen. And until next time, be safe and remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 